Welcome to the Shelfformers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, our connections to the figures, and their relevance to bigger topics. I'm your co-host, Sugu, and tonight we're going to be talking about Kate Curran Part 2. Yeah, I'm your co-host, Arby, and somehow Kate Curran returned. <laughs> Sith and cloning and dark magic and <laughs> something, something dark side. Another person who's returned was Rachel Dolezal. Oh my god! <laughs> what the fuck? Did you hear about that? Oh my god, dude, yeah. <laughs> you're like, just when you're, just when you're like, oh, this is going to be a normal Thursday night. <laughs> Teach, teacher fired from her job because your OnlyFans account. Wait, who is she? <laughs> This what's her name? Yeah. Oh god. Listen, mental health is real. Before we begin, by way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, a freelance writer and editor and an independent author. Publishers Weekly called my novel Ever the Hero an entertaining debut which uses superpowers as a metaphor to delve into class politics and an alternate America. You can find more information about me and my books at DarbyHarn.com. I'm also on Twitter at DarbyHarn. And I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education, and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on AllAboutJapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. Tonight, we're going to definitively, finally, talk about the secret to success in terms of like being a self-published author. Now you do this one thing, you will be fine in the publishing world. And that is don't sink other people's ships <laughs> because apparently there's been an update on someone who uh, we've talked about before who went after other people's ships, tried to sink them and lost everything and that person is uh kate Curran, corinne corinne something like that uh somehow darby kate why don't you returned. yeah so darb why don't you fill us in what what's the new update what's going on well we're going to talk about this so there's been a major update kate Corrine is done an interview with the daily beast in which she gives her side of the story um i want to talk about what she brought up in the course of this story without really platforming this nonsense um there's a lot of stuff i think to sort of consider uh with it that i felt like was worth talking about because it was very personally offensive to me and um as a as an autistic person as an independent author, as an author, and and the most important thing I want to focus on today is the authors as that a were human, af- as a human being. I want to focus on the authors that were affected today because I, I the, one of the the trouble the many troubling things about this article is the way that it sort of gives um, uh, gives a spotlight to this very uh, disturbing behavior. Um, Kay Crane entitled to her side of the story, of course. Um, 
uh, and then we're entitled to have to react to that, uh, you know. Um, before I we get, we get down the, that road though, just real quick to start things positive, uh, I just want to say very quickly, um, thank you to everybody that is back. So as we record this on the what is it today, Sugu the seventeenth, thank you to everybody who is, today is uh, back. February seventeenth backed and supported the Kickstarter uh, for Black Market Heart, my first Kickstarter, which has uh, been successful, funded right away uh, within a couple hours on day one. Uh, very grateful, very happy. Thank you so much um, for backing, following, supporting, listening to us as we've talked about it. We'll do, I think after it's done, we'll do a, we'll do a follow-up in some, in some form. And I also want to say congratulations, uh, Caitlin Clark, uh, from the Iowa Hawkeyes women uh, basketball team, uh, Thursday night broke the, uh, all time scoring record, um, uh, NCAA women's, um, in truly epic godlike fashion. Uh, she's a couple hundred points away from bre- breaking Pete Maravich's all time scoring record for the men. She will pass that, uh, I'm told by the math wizard uh, we'll pass that on March 2nd if her stats hold out, if her averages hold out. Um, we tried to get tickets the other night for for Carver, for Iowa City. Uh, most expensive tickets for an NCAA women's basketball <laughs> history. Uh, she wow. was uh, okay. uh, it's not, not happening. $1,100 on the floor last night. Holy uh, crap. Yeah, yeah. So I just want—I just want to say because it's such a great thing, uh, uh, Caitlin Clark, um, such a positive role model for not just women's basketball but for sports for Iowa. She's a Des Moines native, I think, somewhere around Des Moines. Um, and uh, she's truly phenomenal. She's one of the best uh, basketball players ever. Uh, she's obviously going to be first, uh, go first in the WNBA draft. Uh, if she were to go into the NBA, if that were such a thing, if that were possible, um, she would. There would simply be no stopping her from launching threes from the logo, which she does routinely. And so, uh, uh, she would be one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history if she were allowed to go into the NBA. But, um, in any case, she's one of the best ever, regardless. So, congrats. Uh, She's fantastic, fantastic. And so I just wanted to mention that. Um, Kate Crane. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. I just want to say up top, um, I cannot imagine for the authors that were personally affected by this, I cannot imagine uh, their stress, their anxiety, the mental and emotional toll that this has taken on them and what is supposed to be their moment. These are all for the most part, 2024 debut authors as well. Um, This is supposed to be the most happiest, successful, rewarding, gratifying moment of their professional careers and perhaps their lives. Um, They are in many cases or every case nearly uh, people of color, uh, they're queer, um, their climb to this position has been steep, uh, 
they earned their spot at the table. Um, with with that, with publishing traditional indie comes hardships and struggles and unexpected bullshit. What they could not have anticipated and could not have expected and should not have ever had to deal with is one of their peers, and I use that word very loosely in this case, one of their peers weaponizing <laughs> reviews, subtweets, and just sheer unrepentant jealousy to try to take them down. It's disgusting. I'm deeply sorry that it has happened to these people. And Sugar, if you don't mind, I'm going to list a few of them. Yeah, go for it. I was uh, thinking we should promote them. I want to promote them. And I don't know that this list is comprehensive, so I apologize because I think that the list is actually super extensive. Uh, I've got a list as well, so we can compare notes. Let me pull it up. Okay. So... I'm going to list a couple of them here. Their books are either already out or going to come out this year. So they're mm -hmm. sort of stat they're sort of staggered. Guys, I want you to go check out Google or look up on Goodreads. RM Virtues, KM Enright, Francis White, Camilla Cole, Molly X Chang, Thea Guanzan, Bethany Baptiste. I know this list isn't comprehensive on my part. Check them out. Give them a follow on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever they happen to be. I follow some of them on Twitter. Um, this week has been very brutal for them because of the interview. And then uh, the day after the interview dropped, guess what happened, Sugu? Hmm. The one-star review bombing of these authors began again on Goodreads. Jeez. Which is super coincidental, uh, super weird, super unfortunate. It's already led to a, one of the authors, and I forget which one exactly. One of the authors had already deleted their book from Goodreads because of the attack and had to re, re put it up. Which which I'm here to tell you is 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 a difficult thing to do, just because you're you're not just losing the shit, uh, bogus one star reviews. You're re losing all the reviews. Yeah. Um, they're doing that again because of what is happening in the wake of this interview. I don't know who's doing the one-star review bombing this week. I just want to say that given Kate Crean's comments in this Daily Beast article, uh, that um, <laughs> I would not be surprised um, because, um, she said in some things in the article that sort of lead me to believe that she has some behavioral issues and control issues. If I take her at her word, and I just want to say too, that I, I take her at her word. And that includes, um, her saying, you know, s stating that she suffers from mental health issues. Um, mental health is real. Mental health is very important. It needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed in private. And if you want to speak to it, let me amend that by saying if you want to speak to your mental health issues, that you should and you should be heard. You should not be treating other people's lives and careers as your therapist couch. So um, I think there's one more person to add to your list okay. of people to check out, and that is 
Chiron J. Zhao. Ziran J. Zhao, yes. Yeah, who wrote the book Iron Widow. Uh, it's um, in, Can I just note real quick that she, they, excuse me, um, they are also affected by the Hugo controversy, which we haven't talked about on here. Uh, but that's another bullshit situation. There are numerous bullshit situations in publishing mm-hmm. which are ongoing at the moment. Um, Ziran J. Zhao's, uh, J. Zhao's apologize uh, book was uh, omitted from the Hugo eligibility for no reason other than that she is, they are Chinese American, I think. Uh, Hugo's we won't go into today, maybe we'll go into the future, but um, colossal embarrassment, colossal mishandling uh, of uh, the truth of moral and ethical obligations and artistic integrity on the part of the Hugos. Mm-hmm. Colossal. And everybody involved in that should be junked. Well, absolutely. And one thing I, I want to point out with uh, Jiren, Jiren J. Zhao? Zirin. Zirin J. Zhao. Yeah. Um, is that apparently uh, the Daily Mail used their picture instead of Kate uh, Kate Curran. So people were associating the wrong people with the, uh, the wrong, quote, villain with the wrong picture. So that affected her additionally, or uh, that affected them even additionally. There's a lot of journalistic malpractice that, uh, that's been going on. Yeah. Uh, I think there is in general um, these days, um, especially with this story. Um, the journalistic interest in getting Kate Corrine's side of the story is obvious. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Kate Corrine stating her side of the story, uh, she's entitled to state that, and then we can make of that what we will. What we're making of it is um, I have deep, I have deep concerns with her uh, actions and her words. And um, I'm autistic. I suffer from depression. Um, I'm an author. Um, So I know how difficult it is when you are um, encounter difficulties with other authors, uh, your peers, in the same space it's the last thing on earth you ever want and as an autistic person who suffers from depression it is extremely offensive to me that she kate crane invokes the fact that she's neurodivergent as a reason that she did any of this kate crane there are many neurodivergent authors and traditional and independent publishing on various points on the spectrum who do not behave this way. Being neurodivergent does not cause you to act like this. That's not why you do something like this. Neurodivergent doesn't make you target people of color in a systematic, organized way that can only be viewed upon, right, as 
I don't even know what the right word is, malicious, by Kate Crane's own words, she knew what she was doing, and she knew it was wrong. A neurodivergent person can tell right from wrong, right? So this offends me very deeply. The whole thing offends me very deeply. I deeply resent her throwing neurodivergent people and people with mental health issues under the bus as a way for her to justify her malicious, hateful, destructive actions. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. What she was was she got she achieved something great. She got her book picked up by Delray. I don't know what her advance was. I'm going to guess it was very nice. The book was picked up by Illumicrate. I know where we talked about on our previous episode in which we talked about Kate Crane. I know whereabouts that number of copies that translates into. And consequently the dollar figure. She had an enormous amount of heat and marketing behind her. She didn't, she had her, she had her money. She had her rocket ship. She did not need to do anything with her peers other to enjoy this moment, to celebrate this moment, to appreciate the fact that in 2024, a year in which books, authors, especially ones from marginalized communities, LGBTQ people of color are under systemic attack in the United States and elsewhere, rather than than acknowledge that and and be a peer and be a part of a community, she decided to attack that community for no other reason that she thought it would help herself. It's disgusting. And then when she got caught out, because duh, she decided to use her neurodivergence as a scapegoat. And in doing so, scapegoat neurodivergent people. Disgusting. There's another aspect of this as well. Like everything you said, I wholeheartedly agree. There's another part though. And this is nothing new. Um, Roseanne Barr was someone else who did something similar. Whether someone is neurodivergent or not, does not make that person racist. No. Autism, wherever you are on the spectrum, does not equal racism. So this person who has decided to use autism specifically, but neurodivergency in general, as a as a tool to get away with racism. We've seen that before. Roseanne Barr did it. There was that court case uh, several years ago now where that there was a couple who made incredibly racist uh, attacks, I believe on children of color. Then they were, they were pulled into court and then they're crying. This isn't me. This wasn't us. We're not racist. Yeah, you were. 
Yes, you are. Because that's what you did. Like, very easily. Same with K. Karan. You can be neurodivergent. You can be autistic. You can be somewhere on the spectrum. All of that's fine. But that does not create racism. That does not say, I need to bring down minorities for my own success. That That's not autism autistic behavior she also said that it's just coincidence that all the people that she attacked happen to be people of color can we talk also not like uh uh-uh get away from here with that can Can we go ahead we're not going to link to this article and i'm not going to quote from it um if people want to check it out, they can check it out. There, this 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 article is going around BookTube and, and Twitter and things like that. You, you can find it. But it is clear from her comments and the interview itself that she is very calculating. She's very calculating. Uh, her, her words, her uh, justifications and things like that, um, which makes it highly dubious that any of this was just a coincidence. No, and as, not at and all. As, as people of color, authors of color have noted in the last few days, it is not in Goodreads' habit to boost marginalized authors to the point where you just find them. You just see them. So if you want to find them, if you want to discover them, you kind of have to look, right? Mm-hmm. Kate Crane clearly did. Um which makes her comments about autism and being neurodivergent even more despicable. Because this is a person who clearly understands what they're saying. It is so calibrated and crafted mm-hmm. that if, if you were neurodivergent and you were concerned about your self-perception, which this interview is an attempt to puff up, to rehabilitate, I should say, her perception... You would never in a million years lay at the feet of your neurodivergence this trash. Because knowing that the takeaway for some people would be, well, she's autistic or she's neurodivergent, therefore. And then there are some really ugly thoughts, stereotypes, misinformation about autistic people out there. That this in that this in the minds of people who are mistaken justifies an emboldened. Mm-hmm. So as calculating as Kate Corrine is in her statements and her actions, she's horrifically irresponsible. No, nah, she's gonna be the new voice for the alt right. <laughs> she may she may try to manufacture a lane for herself. It seems to be the date, the, the mode today for, for people to claim to be canceled and all this stuff and then, you know, make a career out of it. Um, I don't really care what happens to her. Um, I, I care more, you know, I care very much about what happens with these authors who have been affected and whose careers have now are always going to be at, regardless 
of the quality of their work or, or their own personal trajectories are going to be attached to this nonsense. Mm -hmm. And so for some of them, they're dealing with a lot and they're dealing and I know from their own uh, posts on Twitter, they're dealing with uh, mental health and they're dealing with uh, anxiety and they're dealing with a lot because it's, it's one thing to be an author whose book, your first novel is coming out, right? And all the pressure and excitement and anxiety that, that comes with that. And then to be dealing with something like this. And, and I know, and it's very important to note that, that, you know, like I said, it's, it's mental health is real. And when you, when you're an author, any creative person, but when you're an author and you're dealing with any kind of mental health struggles, anxiety or depression or whatever, when, when you have difficulties with your peers, because, and I, I, I can speak to this from personal experience, you make a contract with yourself that if the reader doesn't like it, they don't like it. You have no control over that. So when a reader says, leaves a negative review, or they just don't like it, or they don't buy your book, I mean, that, that's, you know, that's how it is, you know, say la vie, right? Um, but when your peers attack you, neglect you, alienate you, misrepresent you, that's completely different because they're supposed to understand. Your self-worth is directly connected as an artist and author to your art. There's very little else that in life, with the exception of your family, that even comes close to the, the, to the value that you place on that. And when you are this happens in all kinds of different ways. It can happen in something as egregious as this. It can happen and you just, people, they, they succeed and then they forget that they knew you. They big time you. All, you know, those are equally, uh, you know, hurtful. Um, you know, you're, because all of a sudden you find out, uh, you find out that you're not someone's critique partner anymore. You're not someone's buddy anymore. And then that, you know, they've got better ones now. Um, your self-worth is, is deeply diminished by finding out that your peers don't value you at all or are actively destroying your value in Kate Corrine's case. That, that's deeply hurtful. And that, those go, those go into your confidence as a writer. And then I can tell you, you're sitting at the computer and you're writing something and something that takes months and years, decades maybe. And then you're wondering what, what good is any, what's the point of any of this? You know, these, these writers, uh, affected writers are, are all young and, and they're at the beginning. And I think they, they're, they, they, my hope is, is that they they can absorb a little bit more, uh, than maybe someone a little bit further along and you know in age would because you get to a certain age in any artistic endeavor and the, the 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 little whispers that are constantly surround you are about success it's not whether or not you're any good as a writer literally no one cares about that all they care care about is whether or not you're successful and so All of that feeds into, especially if you suffer from anxiety, you suffer from depression. All of that feeds into really negative stuff. Um, 
And um, if I really believed in my heart of hearts that Kate Corrine was was going to, you know, just disappear and we were never going to talk about her again, I don't know that I'd actually talk about this today. But um, my suspicion is, is that we haven't heard the last from her because she strikes me as someone who's uh, probably, probably, you know, she she likes to uh, put on a show. So she strikes me as... Um she's trying to do what J.K. Rowling did. She's mm. trying to emulate that. And she let her own mask slip a bit. And people called her out on it. Uh, minorities have seen this type of stuff happen all the time. Mm-hmm. You you get targeted right away. Uh, and that's not just writing. That's not just creative work minorities who are successful in any way get targeted very quickly. Um, I've experienced it. I know a lot of people who have experienced it as well. Uh, they just get this big old target right on the back, right out the gate. The part that worries me about this whole thing, and I'm not even in the publishing industry, but the part that worries me is that puff piece that you sent me, the one that we're referencing, but we will not link to. Mm-hmm. It's going to work. It's going to be, it's going to do the job and it's going to maybe not rehabilitate, but those white woman tears are going <laughs> to exonerate her because what she said the actual words, if you copy and paste those words to anyone else, this is what she said. Yes, it's true. She said those things. Therefore, she's exonerated. If you read the whole thing and you read between the lines, it's what you said. It's calculated. It's a show. It is not at all believable. But it makes for great sound bites. I, I feel it probably is successful with some people who read the article because she will come across as empathetic. I want to be empathetic to someone who is suffering from mental health issues. You should be. And the takeaway shouldn't be, well, you know, Kate Crane needs to be quiet about that because the other important thing is this is that you should speak up about your mental health issues. You should voice them. And you should seek help because too many people are, are shunned into silence about their mental health. The problem is, is when you're dealing with a person who is so uh, manifestly deceptive. Yeah. So I want to take on faith that what she's saying is true about her mental health issues. There's a couple things in the article. Again, I won't quote them. I'll let people read it if they find it and they can decide that make me question that beg some questions um, in terms of uh, what she's saying. It is not for me to judge or, or to diagnose. And I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say I questioned a great deal of her comments in regards to almost everything she said. Uh, I felt at times that I was reading the very manicured statements of someone who is uh, has Absolutely. a really good P- very as a really good PR agent. Um, oh, I don't think it's that good. I think she know. I think she knew what she needed to say. 
One of the things that is so upsetting about this on the neurodivergent part is that you get dinged with a lot. I've gotten a lot of both before I knew I was autistic and after. You get hit with a lot of really ugly shit. A lot of, you know, well, you look normal. Um, you, you know, or whatever. And, and uh, post uh, discovering I was autistic, uh, a really, a really good uh, arrow for people to go into the quiver is to attribute whatever it is that they have a problem with with me at the moment is, is because I'm autistic. Um, I'm just not normal, or I just don't understand things, or I understand them too well, and, or I remember everything. It's not fair, Darby, to, to trot out old shit. Um, she gives an enormous amount of ammunition to people mm-hmm. who have this sort of approach in this article because it makes it seem like that her manipulate her manipulation, her racism her uh, inability to, di- to, you know, to, to, to not be a total nightmare is attributable to being neurodivergent, which just isn't true. And um, it's not true at all. Um, no, I've uh, met many neurodivergent people in the, in the past several years who aren't racist. It's, uh, being a racist is a character <laughs> defect. Um uh neurodivergence is, is uh is your neurology it's 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 just how you think it's not a right or wrong thing it's just that we're different and so pre-covid i literally my memory was such that it was i'm not a great person to get into an argument with because uh, i remember everything and so uh that does that's not well that's not fair or whatever that's just how it is that's how my brain works. And so a consequence of that, which isn't great for me is, is that when I get into an argument with you, that immediately links to the five or six things in our entire relationship that uh, were negative that you've forgotten. You've forgotten and that I, I will not ever. And they're right there. Mm-hmm. They might as well be happening right then. Um, that's uh that's different from holding a grudge a a grudge is very determined very you know like i'll get you back you know um yeah you have an agenda right you have an agenda this is just you know uh this is this thing that you said word for word 20 years ago Mm -hmm. and i've never forgotten it and it's not i've never forgotten it because i'm just like sitting there in the middle of the night carving it into stone it's just it's just right there and so i deeply deeply resent the this kind of thing because um uh you know of what it leads into there are there are neurodivergent people i've met who don't remember a thing god bless them god bless them that you know to be able to not remember any of this shit um it's not like you want to um you're also as a neurodivergent per person uh very a very good study uh uh, a student of humanity of people um and and so because of that i like i said i find a lot of her words and her actions and all this very suspicious and i very transparent for me personally i can i feel like i see right through this oh yeah Um, for for me as well like having dealt with white women tears oh yeah (laughs) uh like just 
you can write a, a, a sonata from the beats that she's laying out. Nice. Uh, there's a lot bound up in this. Um, it's just, it's for the people, the affected, the authors affected. Um, it's just deeply hurtful. It, it's, it, 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 it's a big stain on uh, neurodivergent uh, people on authors um it is you're very challenged as a neurodivergent author um uh, um one thing that we sort of commiserate about uh neurodivergent authors is that a lot of our um thank god for independent publishing because one thing that we all have in common is we've all gotten rejection letters from agents or editors or houses that are, are have something to do along the lines with this character is uh, difficult or not likable, which is code for, uh, you know, they're, they're autistic, you know, they're, they're, uh, this has been leveled at Astra Dari, who is, um, from Star, my novel Stargun Messenger, who, um, I, I call her a mess, uh, sometimes when I'm talking about her, she's, she's a mess, but, um, she scans as difficult, uh, to a lot of people, um, you're labeled as difficult sometimes because you're you're missing social cues. You don't. You're trying to be. You know, uh, the interactions and in publishing and any kind of profession are very uh, organized, and there's there's a lot of rules and unspoken rules and things like that that um, you may or may not be familiar with. And um, uh, you know, you may be very earnest. You may be. Um, you know, you may just be like, here's my. <laughs> here's my book, it's the most, you know, it's the most important thing in my life, and please love it. Or you may be so timid or in, un, unable to express it that you can't, you can't communicate that. Um, in any case, it is just, you know, um, I just deeply resent this whole thing. I, I guess I've said that a few times, but um, it makes me sad. Um, because this is a this is a conversation I have to have, and then it's also a conversation I'm going to be having. I feel like for a long time, you know. It, you I know, mean, look, I, it's this is also not a new story, right? Like the <laughs> the racists of the world will always be doing this, and they will lean on any excuse they can to justify their racism any excuse right now the and i hate to use this word because it's not the best word but it's trendy to claim neurodivergence to excuse a lot of behaviors you see that all the time before it before neurodivergence it was ocd oh i'm just ocd that's why i'm like this before ocd it was something else like it's trendy I don't know. It's trendy have, among garbage people, I should say. I I have trouble with the word trendy when it comes to anything with neurodivergence, <laughs> but exactly. Um, like I said, I hate to use that word because neurodivergence is an actual condition. But it it's it's not a condition. Okay. It it just is. Okay, fair enough. It just is. Fair enough. Uh, so, but like there's some people there to your. To be fair, there are some people who disagree with me. There are people that 
view it as a disability. I personally struggle with that for various reasons. I understand that it is uh, a disability. I have impairments. Uh, I don't really ever talk about them. Um, uh, Sugu knows some of them uh, just from knowing me for a long time. There are things I cannot do. Yeah. Uh, I don't do them. <laughs> so Right. Well, I, I don't want to make it... Go ahead. I, I, just, I also internalized a lot of ableism in my life that has made me super sensitive to some of this stuff. Uh, and... Uh, so I'm 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 always learning from my peers, my my fellow neurodivergent people. Yeah, um, and I don't want to be insensitive with using the word condition. I'm not quite sure what the best term would be, but my my point is that neurodivergence is real. It's not a figment of imagination. It's not imaginary. Yes. However, it's also used by a lot of bad actors right now these days to justify a hell of a lot of bad actions i i don't know like myself i you know that could be i I don't i don't see a lot of that 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 could just be you know um i sort of it's been a journey this has been i didn't really want to talk about myself a ton today but it's been a journey everybody's on a journey what am i saying but mine has been a lot of sort of gradual discovery and i don't pay a ton of attention to the negative side of this conversation i pay uh, a fair amount of attention to the positive side of it Mm -hmm. um one thing in my experience is um because of where i'm at in my life when i found out and then also where i'm at in my age and my circumstances is i feel very uh um you simultaneously feel very uh for the first time self-aware and uh acknowledged uh and then also at the same time you feel very um uh confused because it's like learning to, it's like learning any new, you know, learning anything new and like, well, you're, you're you, but yet you're learning this thing about yourself. And in the course of that, you're learning because it's a spectrum and because it's, it, it, it varies wildly. Um, you're learning where you are on that, which is not simple. Um, and then you're learning about other people and then you're also and where they're at. And then, you're, um, I, I spend a lot of time these days thinking about what it's like to be in a relationship with a art, autistic partner, which has its own, uh, challenges and you're like, duh, but no, it, those, you know, for some people that's the ideal is to be with an autistic, if you're autistic, neurodivergent to be with a partner for some people, it's not because it comes with, depending on where you two are in relationship to do you know where you are with that person until you're relatively far into that relationship um do you fill in each other's blanks or do you (laughs) are you not supposed to do that um and then also with your friends and your peers and, and other people you meet along the way who have because they're where they are young or old they may have a vastly different perspective a much more wise 
informed perspective than you. Um, you may not know where the potholes are. Um, and with that comes anxiety and doubt, uh, confusion at times, especially as it comes into masking. Um, all of those things for someone who is out there, I'm at the stage in my journey where I can read something like this at K-Crane and just be offended. Mm -hmm. There are people out there in their journey who read that and, and think, well, um, and be destabilized by thinking that that the, the, the being neurodivergent could lead, could spring something as ugly as this, right? And they're thinking, well, my God, could I just go off? The no, it's not... <laughs> You know, I, that's what's so reprehensible about this. It's, 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 it's not just an attack on these authors, which alone is just criminal. It's an attack on people who are suffering from mental health issues, substance abuse issues, who are neurodivergent, you know. And all of these things demand attention and they demand care and consideration. And I don't feel like any went into this interview. I don't feel like any went into this article uh, I haven't seen a single person who has reacted to this article with anything other than disgust. Um, well, but that's the point. The article itself was meant... The, the purpose of the article was to rehabilitate her image. And thankfully, everyone sees through it. Yeah. But given enough time, on a long enough timeline her her image will be rehabilitated or she's going to go the jk rowling route rowling is someone who because of her stature in the culture evidently can absorb the uh can withstand being a a reprehensible transphobe that's very disappointing i don't i don't know that i'm shocked Kate Corrine, compared to J.K. Rowling, is nobody. No. Um, can she can she carve out a lane for herself as as some sort of uh, misunderstood victim? I bet she'll figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. uh, would I be colossally disappointed by that? Yeah. Um, her career functionally in publishing is over. Just to be clear about that, uh, she has no future in traditional publishing. Um, uh independent publishing can she figure out a, a lane into that and because now because of, of name recognition i bet she can i bet she can yeah that would that would be disgusting but you know what that but here's happens the thing. every day on a long enough timeline she can just point to this article as one example of how she's trying <laughs> she's she's working so hard and she she understands the plight because you see in the article she says she understands the plight she understands the struggle so she's trying and and isn't that enough uh <laughs> I, said, I said I wasn't going to address certain or, or specific things in the article but actually what would have been enough uh, Kate Crane, was you deleting all the burner accounts and the reviews associated with them, but you didn't do it because it made you feel bad. Mm -hmm. 
uh, what would have been enough is personally apologizing to the people you affected and throwing yourself at their feet. She didn't do for, that. She didn't do that. What would have been enough is making a public statement that said, I fucked up. I'm suffering from mental health. It's not an excuse, but I am deeply, deeply sorry for what I did. And here are all the things that I'm going, that I have done to rectify it. She didn't do that. Nope. Uh, it would not have been blaming other people for what happened. It would not have been manufacturing people out of whole cloth to blame. It would not have been giving an interview in which your primary concern is being viewed as a racist and then underlining in your subsequent comments all the ways in which you are. Mm-hmm. Um, we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Uh, we all hurt people. Uh, we all suffer from, uh, from some uh, injury, uh, you know, mental health issue at some point in some way in our lives. And we all deserve a second chance. Um, if this was meant to be her attempt to get a second chance, she absolutely, uh, crashed it like Hindenburg Titanic crashed it. <laughs> um, that's over. She's all she's done is, uh, further, uh, cement her reputation. Um, and then also sullied, uh, like I said, in broad, broad strokes, sullied that of an entire class of people, which is to say neurodivergent people, also people who suffer from mental health, also people who suffer from substance abuse. She invokes Matthew Perry uh, from Friends in this article who passed away last year, sadly, uh, who struggled uh, publicly, honestly, transparently with substance abuse his entire life and she likened herself to Matthew Perry which on its own I want you to just carve out everything I just said and set it over here on its own is disgusting because mm -hmm. Matthew Perry did a lot of good for a lot of people my dad alcoholic my dad and I didn't have a great relationship you know what I found out at his funeral that he was a sponsor at AA for over 30 people. Dad never talked about it. He never bragged about it. Never made excuses for his alcoholism. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, one signifier that I noticed with Kate Coran, and this does come back, come back to everything. I promise. I work with kids and I try to teach them impact over intent, right? Because a lot of kids, they tell me, well, I didn't mean to do this. You didn't mean to do it. Okay. That's your intention. Look at the impact and let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. In a lot of these spaces, when someone fucks up royally, <laughs> especially like, I'm not going to say celebrities, but people who are trying to be like bigger than just their circle of 12 people. Um, they try to do the, the legal minimum to avoid culpability 
and that focuses on intent. If you look through whatever garbage she spewed, it was all about her and her intention. She doesn't actually talk about the impact of what she's done. She references no. it here and there, but it's all about her intent, as if that makes a difference. I believe she said if uh, the affected authors are uh, they're permitted or allowed, I think she said, to feel however they want about it. Are they, Kate, permitted? Yeah. Are they allowed? Thank you, Miss White Woman, for giving <laughs> minorities the permission to feel a certain way about her actions. Right? Like, there is so much in there that... I'm just like, wow. It's, um, people have a way of, uh, even the most calculated people have a way of, of exposing themselves through their speech and actions. Mm -hmm. And often the more calculated you are, the, the more, uh, obvious, uh, aspects of it you are, because eventually it just becomes hollow and paper thin and transparent and, um, that to me is obvious in this article and she's very concerned about being perceived as a racist and then permits, mm -hmm. uh, the people of color that she slandered, uh, to feel however they want about it. I'm sure their lawyers have ideas about how they feel about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, look, what... If I was Kate Curran, thank God I'm not, but if I was, I think my apology would be, look, I'm white. I think that these black people don't deserve success. I'm jealous and angry that they have it. And I'm racist. That's who I, Kate Curran, am. And that's what's going to happen. Just lean into it. Be racist. Let the alt-right people worship you. Get shunned by the rest of the rational world. And we can go on with our day. She can't do that, Sugu. And I, I think, here's my thought. You tell me what you think. <laughs> I don't think she can do that because she is, the, the, the crux of the issue here is her jealousy. And so it's mystifying to us because she had achieved uh, something that myself, uh, as a writer who had lifelong dreams of, of making it, could only dream of. She's a debut author who's got a really great win behind her back, right? So that matters to her, right? She wants to be famous. She wants to be successful. She wants to be the toast of the town. Mm-hmm. She can't do that with the alt-right crowd we're talking about. You can be famous with them, and you can be successful, and you can be financially uh, successful with them, of course. That's a whole ecosystem. Mm -hmm. But what you can't be, what you can't be is loved, celebrated, or nurtured by the thing that you most crave, which is traditional mainstream success. That is gone. And her, I think her ambition in this interview was to try to rehabilitate. She probably had visions of her head of like, 
you know, I'm going to explain, you know, my, my character flaws and my mental health issues. And then someone's going to want, you know what they're going to want from me? They're going to want a nonfiction book from me. They're going to want a memoir. The struggles of Kate Crane. Yeah. And then I'll be back in. Then I'll Which, be on the Today By the show. way, that is the game plan of these alt-right writers. Sure. And... <laughs> And New York is not uh, entirely blameless in, in platforming some of these people. No, of course not. But Those books what, exist for a reason. What you have, I will say, what you have and the difference between the nonfiction and the fiction worlds in New York is a vast difference between who you platform. Nonfiction, those guys are pretty mercenary. If they think they can make a million dollars off publishing Mike Pence's autobiography, they'll do it regardless of his politics, right? They don't care. Mm -hmm. um in fiction where those politics are very very different and those conversations in new york and elsewhere are very very different the k cranes of the world don't really have any opportunity especially when they've been exposed like this because the politics and the fiction side of new york simply will not allow for any of this shit they, they won't um she's british right i believe she's american i could be wrong i could be wrong oh, okay i thought she yeah. was british she might she might be um you know uh there's a lot of strays flying around there's a lot of takes flying around um you know about you know uh everyone is entitled to their opinion and everyone should voice their their mental health struggles it's very important and you should get help for them in treatment. And I hope as a human being for her sake that um, she does. Um, she should do that in a way that is uh, respectful and considerate. And, and I really, I think really for, um, you know, uh, if there's anybody coaching her, if there's anybody counseling her, they should they should really strongly advise her not to inflame this any further um i i you know that that you know because what matters now frankly is uh the, the mental health and uh of the people affected and um you don't ever want you know kate crane i'm sure is probably thinking in some way that she's this will help uh maybe um it might help her yeah she's right? only thinking about herself that, that's she's, pretty obvious yeah, and, but but what you have to do when you've wronged somebody, um, part of being an adult, part of being an official professional is admitting when you're wrong. And even even if there's some reason for it, you're having a bad day. I was talking earlier about memory. Uh, Post-COVID, my memory is bad, and that makes me grumpy. That makes me grumpy. I don't like it. You know who else doesn't like it? Everybody else. <laughs> They don't like it, and I feel bad. I feel bad because I literally walk over to the store. I walked over to the store to get a loaf of bread, and guess what I came back with? Not a loaf of bread. So it makes me grumpy. And so when when you're grumpy to somebody, and, and you know maybe you're a little bit raw, you have to you know you for reasons that are out of your control, right? You you're not you're not a jerk, but you're having a bad day because you're having. You just forgot something. What did you walk over there for? <laughs> if not, the thing if, is, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. But the thing is, 
no matter how grumpy you get, you don't sit at your computer and consciously choose marginalized communities to attack. Right? No, like, I'm just I, I'm just saying that, you know, you can have a bad day. You can have a bad post-COVID life. Um, and you're, you're desperately trying not to upset or rankle anybody, especially someone you really love. So, but you have to own up to that and you have to admit, you know, Darby, Darby going to timeout. But um, again, like what you're saying, and so, and like, I don't mean to kind of keep harping on this, but I think there's a key crucial difference, which is that when you're having a bad day, the actions that you choose are still reflective of your character, just under grump, under grump, being grumpy. Yeah. Her actions that she chose while under whatever medication she took while under whatever, the actions that she chose to take were racist in nature. Yeah, and I, I'm really trying not to compare or contrast. I'm just saying that you, you can be, you can be affected by things out of your control. Sure. That can lead to negative behavior, and she but you took ha- medicine you, that altered her consciousness. She claims. Yeah, I you know it's just it it's just. I understand. I want to be empathetic. I want to understand. Um, and sometimes there's just really nothing to understand. Uh, there's nothing really defined there to be empathetic with other than, you know, like I said, I, you know, I'm very, I'm very empathetic towards people who struggle with mental health and certainly people who are neurodivergent because I know what a steep struggle it is. And, and I, you know, that, that, that sort of feels like being neurodivergent sometimes, um, um, like I, I think I said earlier, it feels like you've got things figured out at the same time simultaneously. You don't know anything. Um, that that's a st- constant state of um, uh, that that's just uh, can be excruciating, um, and so. It, it upsets me when when I see people who are suffering. Uh, it upsets me more when um, suffering is inflicted on those people by people who are supposedly well-meaning and supposedly, you know, in the same camp. And so, um, you know, the I'm not big on drama, especially in publishing. I don't do it. Um, uh, I'm not big on conflict. I simply won't engage in it. Um, uh, if in publishing it, uh, amongst peers and, and you know, things like that, if like if you slighted me, if you've done me wrong, um, we simply don't interact anymore. That I don't engage you at all. Um, I, I'm not going to be angry with you. I'm not going to be upset with you. I'm not going to subtweet you on Twitter. We just don't commune anymore. Um, that's just that's that's how it is and so kate crane this is where i'm going to leave it with her um you know i hope she i hope everybody leaves it with her uh authors affected by her personally uh they they can take that as far as they want 
uh, maybe even into court. That would be interesting um, because I think they have, <laughs> I think they have grounds uh, in some in some cases here. But um, yeah, I think this is probably the last we'll say about it. Um, uh, I hope it's the last we say about it. But anyway, I, yeah, final thought, I suppose. Um, it's, if you're an author, or any kind of art, if you're just a human being, for God's sake, I, I don't know why we. It's necessary for us to say these things. Uh, just, just, just be kind, be understanding, be considerate. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, we're all, especially as authors, we're, we're just we're all in this together. I'm not your competition. Um, I'm not your sale. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm also not your, uh, your practice dummy, your target practice either. Um, um, and if you're going to attack giant swaths of people, uh, you know, whether individually in the case of these authors or an entire group of people and neurodivergent, uh, people like that, um, you should expect, you know, uh, people to object to that. And, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, my final thought is simply always remember impact over intent. Nobody cares what your intention is. It's all people are always talking about your impact. So when you mess up, not you Darby, but you Kate Corinne, uh, when you mess up, don't talk about yourself. No one cares. No one cares about your intention. Because your impact is obvious. And your impact shows your real intention. Yeah, I think that's right on. I, I don't think intent... I, I've said in time... We talked about it in other episodes in terms of writing. I'm a big believer in intent. When it comes to apologies, I don't really know that that matters. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it might, depending on the circumstances. Doesn't really matter. The most important thing is your trying to make amends and um uh someone i was reading something uh the other day about uh, there's an acronym that they were using about how to address these things and it's basic and basically it's just you know acknowledge uh apologize and and you know um try to try to repair if you can it's not about you know i'm a victim yeah you know um well the whole thing thing. is called restorative justice Mm, yeah I deal with that at school all the time. It's uh, It generally is much more effective than punitive uh, methods. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think you, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I think you see this in my work. It's one reason why you see some of the characters that I write about and why their journeys are uh, maybe... Um, you may be, you know, some people may be like, well, I don't know why this, why you're focusing on this particular character. And I'm really surprised at their journey that they might be on or things like that. I'm a big believer in that. Um, I, you know, I believe in people. I believe in human beings. I believe in the inherent value. Every person has value. Um, and I'm also a big believer in uh, knowing when to be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Once again, I'm Darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. I'm also on Twitter at Darby Harn. 
Sugu, how can they find out more about us in the podcast? You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelfwarmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye. <laughs>